Okay. So I'll, I'll explain it to you. I'll call you afterwards and explain it to you. Okay. Okay. Hey, everybody. <laughs> this is another episode of Life with a Be Alive. And today our special guest is none other than the greatest Miss <laughs> Philippin herself, <laughs> Debbie Hazelton. Debbie, what can I say about this woman? She's amazing. She um, has done so much. She is an author. She is a licensed uh, mental health counselor. Or is it counselor therapist? I was. I was. It was a counselor. I was. Mental yeah. health counselor. Mm-hmm. She is a um, licensed massage therapist as well as an energy healer and a, full of wisdom and is one of the most amazing intuitives that I know um, oh and goodness. she just has done so much she's also um, a minister she lectures in various um, churches uh, she she just have done so much with her life and I'd really love for her to come here today I'm honored <laughs> to have her here today to share her story um, kind of share how she met. And on top of all of that, she's one of the funniest people you ever want to meet. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, how you doing, Debbie? Thank you, Akia. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so fun to be with you today. I just think it's great, you know, how long we've known each other and all the different things we've done. And here we are on your podcast. I am super proud of you and honored to be here. Can you believe that? I have a podcast. Wow. I know. Yes, you do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you can see uh, I had my techno challenges today and we just go to, you know, plan B (laughs) or plan plan X. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Debbie, can you let the listeners know a little bit about yourself, at least the part? A little bit about myself. Well, let's see. Um, I think that I knew before I came in to this life what I was doing. I think I chose. They said, well, you know, the spirit guides, the angels, they said, well, you know, I think it would be really creative for you to go in and be blind this time around. And I said, hey, cool. You know, because the little prince said, what is essential is invisible to the eye. And the little prince knew that. And spirit and the guides and the team and all that, most of the work is done in the unseen. Most of the communicating, most of the intuitive hits we get are in the unseen. So they said, well, you know, yeah, go on in and I'll, I'll, I'm sitting in my front row seat. So that's what that is for me. But I also, you know, said, oh, you want me, you want me to go into an alcoholic household too and full of craziness? Yep. Well, to me, what that did was it, it brought a lot of awareness to the ways in which, you know, we, we're always dealing with, we either feel like we're in our power or we don't, you know, and, and our power is either we're, we're getting an experience where we're ramping it up and knowing it and able to claim it, or we go through experiences where we feel like it's being taken from us or people are trying to. 
So I think alcohol gave me a concrete example of what happens to people when they give their power away. Mm. And so, so I just, I, I don't know. I had a, um, one of those phrases saying, I don't know, that's a crazy phrase. I'm big on words. So I do know. Um, I spent a lot of time really early asking lots of questions. I remember asking if God wore shoes and I wanted to know if I could reach up and reach up and touch heaven. Um, I wanted to know, you know, I, I just figured everything was alive. I mean, to the point that, you know, I remember <laughs> I remember feeling like when I went to the bathroom that there was a team of people working down there underneath, working down there. <laughs> In, in the sewer, <laughs> everything was alive. Everything and everything is alive. And that so, is, you know. Such, that is such an interesting perspective. Like, like you say, <laughs> not being able to see and the images that your mind came up with. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Like you said, um, there's little people working in the sewer and there's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's well, just the mind and the imagination and the things that you, you have to like, what you say, kind of almost filling in the gaps, like, okay, this is probably what this is like. Is heaven close enough that I can? Yeah, trying to, yeah, trying to figure it out. I remember waking up one morning, I think it was like four in the morning. I don't know how old I was. And I put on a record because I wanted to see if the people sounded like I woke them up. <laughs> Or, you know, if it was, I didn't understand this bit about recording. So, you know, where were all these people? And that people would say, you know, people would wonder, kids would wonder about people in TV. I did too. Are they in that box? Yeah. Are they yeah. in that tiny box? <laughs> so I was always fascinated. And I remember somebody talking to me about, well, you know, there's probably life on other planets. We're not the only ones. And I said, well, of course, of course, we're not the only ones. I just felt it. Mm -hmm. I I just felt it. And um, to, you know, when I heard about faith healing and hands-on healing, I just was like, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had my very first conscious experience with healing when I was in graduate school. I had, I was making yogurt one night and um, it says you have to scald the milk. Well, scalding milk is really kind of weird. It's like you have to catch the calm before the storm. You have to catch that silence before it boils. Mm -hmm. So I was a second late. And that scalded milk, I, it was a quart of milk in a six-quart Dutch oven. But even when I tried to lift it off the burner for it to start to cool, it was spewing up onto my hands, onto the backs of my hands and my wrists. And milk is worse when you when you burn yourself with it than water because it it holds the heat. Mm. And so I immediately went to the sink and I was rinsing them with cold water, but I was still in agony. And and then I I ended up getting a bowl of ice water. Now somebody thinks somebody said to me, "Oh, it's probably the ice water that that did the healing." Well, I don't know. Somebody uh, happened to stop by. Right at that moment, because I was in my own apartment and she had said she might stop by that night. She stopped by and she said, let me take you to the campus, uh, the campus infirmary. And so she did. And they looked at my hands and said, we're going to keep you. 
for the night. And I was relieved because I didn't live there, but I didn't want to go home and be alone. I was freaked out. I was really imagining what it would be like for somebody to just suddenly become disabled. You know, I knew what it was like to live with a disability my whole life. So it wasn't something I really had to get used to other than day-to-day learning new things. But this was like, oh my God, how do you deal with, my hands were bandaged from fingertips to wrist. Wow. And both hands. hands. And so I went to bed in their infirmary and I had this voice say to me, and it wasn't like really audible, but it was very definite in my head. And it said, imagine that every time you breathe, you take in the air and every time you breathe out, imagine the pain coming out of your fingertips. I went to sleep like that. And I woke up in the morning. I had no more pain. I had a couple of little blisters. That was it. And they weren't hurting. They weren't like raw or anything like that. Wow. So that was a huge demonstration to me. That's a miraculous healing experience. It was. And and I just also had one where, and I wasn't, you know, really, I did ask, I guess I did ask. And some, some of our asks I'm finding they're just, they can be such little, little barely said or not even audibly said, but little like, yeah, I would really like for this to happen. So I had a hip replacement um, a year and a half or so ago, and I came out of it with neuropathy. Now I'm not diabetic. I never knew what neuropathy was. I thought it was numbness. Well, this was from the knee on down to my foot. I felt like I felt like there were fire pokers being thrown at me or or knives stabbing me. And I was in horrible pain when I would sit in certain positions and and it was horrible. So my surgeon was like, uh, you know, it'll pass. And he only wanted me on 300 milligrams, milligrams of gabapentin. My own doctor said, no, it usually takes 1200 to get anywhere with it. And so I was on this 1200 dose of it. And, and I remember asking you, like, I don't know what else to do. I'd like to get off of this. And it was weird. I was walking mostly okay, but I was doing this toe heel thing. I had a bit of foot drop. And so anyway, all that to say, I was doing pretty well, but I still knew, to, knew I needed gabapentin. And I went to a convention a few weeks ago, and I did so much walking, I suddenly knew I didn't need any more gabapentin. So I haven't taken it in like three weeks. I'm nice. off of it altogether. Nice. So, yeah. so what I'm seeing from what you said, um, the way you try to fill in the blanks, like the things that, you know, you were trying to make sense out of in this world, filling in those blanks gave you a different way, a different perspective of actually, you had your way of seeing the world, literally, you mm-hmm. saw mm-hmm. it a certain way. But yeah. the, how did that lead you to like the things that you did, the, the type of interest, whether it was psychology or healing or how, what led you to those type of interests based on those things? Well, I knew I believed in like every time I would hear about astrology and I heard that from an I Love Lucy show and ESP and and, you know, I'm like, yeah, I just knew I wanted I wanted more and I believed in it. But it was also a lot of need in my own life to feel like I was understood, to feel like I was heard 
And so I knew that I would end up majoring in psych so that I could give that to other people. And it's been an ongoing process. You know, I, I did a lot of my own therapy when I was in graduate school. It was almost like it was like the in style thing to do, but I got so much out of it. And then I just kept finding things like EFT and Bach flowers and and hypnosis and beyond quantum healing, which is a takeoff on on Dolores Cannon's quantum healing hypnosis technique. And I've just gone after different things and even studying body talk with you and medical intuition. And But I've always come back to that I need to listen to my own way. And so a couple of years ago, I was hanging out a lot in Clubhouse. It's another app for, yeah, I know you've been in there a little bit. Yeah. I think you came in. And um, But I kept finding places that I was where I was hearing people and going, no. Nope, I don't resonate with that. Nope, that's not for me. And then I kept getting, well, if you don't like being in this no place, then you need to come up with what it is you are saying, and you need to be even more about saying. And I had already written books. I had already done a ton of public speaking, but I still found that I was in this new place. And I had already also declared myself as an inspirational speaker, not a motivational speaker. I don't like motivational hype. I'm not a motivational speaker. Um, it works for a lot of people, but to me, it's very um, kind of externally focused. Mm. I'm not a coach. I don't like, I call it coaching babble. It's not for me. It's great for a lot of people. It's great for a lot of people who do it. And it's great for a lot of people when you need a coach to have just that person or when you need motivation, it's great to have it. But I know that's not mine. That's not me. And mm. so I started getting even more of a stronger place of saying, it's very important for me to bring source energy to people. So mm. like I, I used to have a tagline that it started out as helping people feel better. And then it was helping people feel better one person at a time. Mm. And one day I got, it's time to get rid of that. Because I don't want to be dependent on somebody not feeling better so that I have a purpose. Right. So I hold a higher, I hold a kind of a higher standard, I guess, for myself and for what I look for in others. And that is to imagine that we're all in the circle and we're all there with our light. And so what happens when people light another, you know, light another or each other's candles? They don't go out and grab a hold of somebody's candle and push their candle into somebody else's candle. They just get their light near. And and then the other light just gets that, gets that message. And the other candle is lit. And so I started imagining that a lot, that that's what I think I'm here to do. And that's what I think a lot of us, in my opinion, that's what we're doing we're shining our light and we're helping a lot more people get their lights on and and get you know comfortable shining their light and and so i started believing a lot more or sensing knowing that source doesn't go out and push people challenge people uh confront people all over the place i think source now maybe i mean you you've talked about your guides saying some pretty strong things to you but I think that what 
I feel is that source brings an unconditional love, an unconditional presence. And it's for me to bring more of that to other people and to know that if somebody's having a hard time, it's because they're probably still not fully comfortable with that light, not maybe really fully into that self-worth. And so it's not for me to push or challenge or, or, you know, challenge them about, I know you and I were talking about excuses last week. Now I can look back on some things that you and I talked about in my life a couple of years ago and go, wow, I can see where that might've looked like excuses, but it wasn't, if I had heard that at the time, that that's what I was doing, my self-worth would have just, I, I just would have felt extra guarded, extra careful. I wouldn't have felt safe. I wouldn't have had the permission that I needed to find what I needed to find and and come from that place into greater love and freedom. So I, I, I was thinking about knowing that we were going to talk about this and I was thinking, okay, so Sid Simon, one of my favorite authors in the past, wrote a book one time called Negative Criticism. And he believed that we should not criticize each other. And, you know, he and that's there's a funny story about that. But I was like, okay, but we deal with other people and we deal with all kinds of stuff that people do. So what happens when we don't like something or what happens when we're frustrated with somebody's behavior? Well, then I think it's good to be able to say, I'm not sure how else I can help you with that. Or I'm frustrated listening to you. I don't know what else I can offer. But to put it in an I statement, or I'm I'm concerned about this that I hear you saying. I'm concerned about that, but not, well, you know, what's the matter with you, you stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I, you I, know? I, I would I'm getting what you're saying. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm gonna premise um one, you mentioned that some of my spiritual guides, they if there is something that is attacking, they will defend. They, they say there's nothing wrong, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether you're being spiritually attacked or even physically attacked, you know, it's your right to defend yourself. So you may have to go on the defense. So they were basically talking about it, not from an offensive point of view, um, where mm-hmm. you go and attack people needlessly, but to defend yourself. Like there should be spirit, some t- form of spiritual self-defense because, you know, people. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can't. Boundaries. Exactly. Healthy boundaries. It's yeah. Healthy boundaries. And if people keep breaking through those boundaries, you have the right. To, if someone invades your home, you have the right to defend your home or yourself. Exactly. So they, they were mm-hmm. talking more along. So I just wanted to clarify. That's what they were speaking about that type of, you know, absolutely you can't always handle things with a kid glove and you can't always no. walk through everything with certain people or entities no. or whatever it is because they well, are. And, so that, and sometimes what, we get angry. Sometimes we just get frustrated and angry and that's yeah, okay too. If, if, because if we have human experience. Yeah. And I've realized that when I get frustrated, a lot of times I'll just walk away. I'm like, it's, it's not worth the energy. It's not leave it be walk away. It'll work its way out. So it, I think we're looking at the type of degrees of reaction mm-hmm. and what's happening. Um, in a normal circumstance, I 100% agree with you. It's better to be more understanding. Um, and our conversation, mm-hmm. I, I was telling you, I said, I know people who have 
um, you know, full bodied, full able bodied, no disabilities or anything. And they right. get accomplished absolutely nothing. And when I look at you, right. Dave, you know, even with your disability, even with, you know, trying to navigate and trying to modify things to, you know, to accommodate you in the world, as I've seen you have from knowing you, you don't let any of that stop you on any level. You, whatever it is, you make up your mind, you go after it. And my question wasn't so much that I was looking at just excuses. I said, we could call them excuses. Mm-hmm. Well, we did, but we, there are a lot of people that talk about that. Yeah. But what makes some people thrive, no matter what the circumstances are, and you could see it in households, you people grow up in the Mm -hmm. same household, one person thrives, the other person doesn't. So we were looking at the question is like, what is that all about? Well, and I think it's what people learn and decide early, like I learned really early, if I didn't live my life, somebody would live it for me. Um, some people learn if I sit here and I do nothing, things will get done for me. I think different people learn different things or or <clears throat> realize different things. But the other thing that I was thinking to add is that I think it's like we're all in a grand orchestra. So I don't think what I've learned about how it's important for me to communicate isn't necessarily what somebody else needs to do it's my piece to bring and I think we're like we're in this giant orchestra and we all have our instruments and some play very loudly and some play soft and some you know are gonna beat that drum and you know there's just gonna be a lot of different ways and somebody might need uh, one person's approach or one person's style of music and another person is gonna go toward somebody else's. And so I think that's the beauty. I think that's the beauty of diversity. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of all these approaches mm-hmm. that there are so many. And, and it's not that anyone is totally right or totally wrong either. I, I think getting beyond right and wrong and just, you know, as I came up with this a couple of years ago saying, Oh, but this is my way that I need to go. Mm-hmm. It's not that anyone's wrong. This is just, how, what I need to do. This is my piece to bring, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, even with massage, I think massage for me, what I, I can do deep tissue. I can do a hard approach. Uh, but I really, really feel that what, what I believe most people need is nurturing and loving, not, not, um, you know, not just like sexual touch, but kind touch touch that is grounding and and feels um safe safe is the word i mean even more than grounding i think most people need to relax and their bodies need to feel loved you know and love in a much deeper sense so even when i went into the massage field i knew that was what i really intended to do i didn't always do it and one of the things i feel very strongly about in terms of purpose is how strongly it it feels right to me to to be on purpose to do what feels really right and i took lots of jobs that didn't always feel really right to me or that i didn't love and and they weren't necessarily the best fit but they were a way to bring in money but what about the kinds of 
of moments of saying, you know what, I'm going to make an agreement with my higher spirit, my higher source now, and I'm going to, I'm going to agree that I'm, I'm not going to go by those old temptations and do things that aren't me. I'm going to stay true to what is me and then allow that prosperity to roll in. And how's that been working? It's, it's working. It's starting, you know, it's, uh, I'm, yeah. This is a recent, mm-hmm. um, this is a recent, um, yeah, this declaration, this is what I was, yeah, this is, you know, I went to a conference a few weeks ago and I set up my ad that even though, you know, there were the other things I could have done, I wrote it very differently to what I really wanted to do. And yeah. And I also know that prosperity for me is also about having free time and not always being so busy. So I didn't fill myself up with busyness that I didn't even want just to make money. So, yeah. So you're pretty cool. I'm trusting. And trust to me is really important. Trust to me. Like um, when I told you, um, uh, for those who don't know, I I had called Akia one time and I said, you know, uh, spirit to me is not just male or female. It's an it. It's an essence. It's an it. (laughs) And so I said, that means I'm full of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's your, your name. That's how I save you on my con. I know. You be full of it. <laughs> full of it. So then I said, full of it. It needs to be an acronym. So it to me is um, inspirational thinking, mm-hmm. idea, thoughts, intuitive truth, and intentional trust. And intentional trust is my favorite. That to me is just like, oh, yes. And to really find it, I sometimes feel like the all the rules for living have changed. Well, I think vibrationally, I feel like they've changed because I've been changing. And so to feel the ease of letting go and just having those little asks of I would like this, I would like this. And then allowing it to happen with a lot more ease instead of feeling like I have to do it, mm-hmm. instead of feeling like I have to figure it all out. No, that's old, that figuring it all out. That's really old. Mm-hmm. It's more about that trust. Yeah, that, so, yeah. that, that trust have, um, it's been a challenge for me, the whole trust, because I've, you know, if if you want to get it done, you want to get it done right, do it yourself. <laughs> kind of mentality yeah yeah um, so it is hard for me to give up the control because there's a comfort in control on that mm-hmm. so it, I found that that was pretty challenging for me to let go enough like they say let go and let God or let go and trust um mm-hmm. so I'm like I said with me I would say that's still a work in progress but it has gotten better I have seen oh, yeah progressed it that way I have to remind myself now and then go, Oh, there we go. That's the old feeling now go with the new, but Oh yeah. And I had lots and lots of times where I didn't want to let go or I didn't want to trust. Oh, major, major, lots of willfulness that I had. Mm -hmm. And so now, yeah, it's easier. It really is easier a lot of the time. And, but I still have to remind myself because I'm still living the human experience. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I think, to kind of differentiate between, okay, here's what I, here's what I feel and sense and know uh, from spirit. 
and here's my experience in the human. And so I've often, um, I've actually been saying a lot in the last few years that it's not so much about even in helping people. It's not so much about who did what or who's to blame or who's right or wrong. It's about what is, what is your experience? What is my experience? And I call that research. I call that data. Once I know my experience, well, then that's my data. And I can bring that with me into that's wisdom, that's empathy. But um, that starts with experience. And, and that is more of a no judgment zone. That's just unless I'm just discerning that my experience tells me this isn't the way that I want to do this. If I do it again, or this isn't right for me, this isn't good for me. Um, and you know, or maybe I have a concern for someone that I share and then I leave it. I don't keep on worrying and put that in their, in their face, but, um, but yeah, experience is a big, big word of mine. (laughs) That, that is really some deep thoughts there, Debbie. And (laughs) you sent me, um, because this is wisdom um, for intuition or the intuition of wisdom. We could flip it around either way. But <laughs> when you when you think about intuition, what does that mean to you? I think that it is help from my team. I think that when I say my team, spirit guides, uh, those who have who've been here and are no longer on this plane, I just feel like I'm I'm part of this big team. I feel like they need me as much as I need them. And I feel like when I get intuition, it's getting getting a message mm-hmm. and and having a sudden knowing. And it's funny because um a lot of people have said to me, Well, how do you know? How do you know it's your intuition and not your mind? Or not just, you know, something you want to think. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, if it's a new thought. If it wasn't something I was thinking even a few minutes ago, if it's not a repeat idea, although it could come back as an intuitive hunch and still be a repeat idea, but usually when when I get something that feels like intuition, it is a new thought. There's no adrenaline with it. I'm not super excited or I'm not threatened or scared or or uh, I'm not full of ambivalence. I just suddenly have this. And it, it's uh, kind of like, wow, I just got, you know, this message that I should do such and such, you know, whether it was when I went to massage school or whether it was applying to a different guide dog school or, or also sometimes I'm shown things about people and I will suddenly see a situation like I, I had a, person that I was um, suddenly realizing I was attracted to them. Um, and at the same time, I saw them in a situation I kept seeing, imagining don't plan anything with them because they probably won't show up. Mm-hmm. And and I had some experiences later on where I wasn't, I was Zoom things where they didn't show up. But I, you know, I knew immediately when, when, well, when it happened, but also when it was shown to me, I was like, and I also saw something about alcoholism. And so I knew I was getting a download. I just knew it. So I was like, okay, wow. 
Yeah, thank you. So any attraction that I felt, it was like, okay, I'm going to borrow in on this feeling, but I'm not going to take it too seriously because Mm -hmm. I've been shown all this other stuff that I know I don't want. And thank you. Thank you for protecting me. (laughs) Yeah. So so it's very interesting because when I look at intuition and how I perceive intuition, most of my intuition comes to me as thoughts. So mm-hmm. they call me more uh, along the lines of what they'll say is clear audience. Like I could hear, like we listen to our thoughts mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So I could, I basically hear my thoughts. So that's how intuition shows up. I could also see it and all of that, but I'd say predominantly I'm listening. Um, and so interesting. one of the ways that I realized it was intuition versus my own thoughts was that when I think about things, I noticed that I would think in my frontal lobe along my forehead. That's where the thought Mm. occur. So it was like location specific for me Mm. versus when I was intuiting or doing clear audience, it would be on my temple, like above my ear. So I Mm. actually, so the thoughts would come from the direction, which part of my head, the thoughts were coming from. So that's how I was able to distinguish. Oh, um, and like you said, the same thing. All of a sudden, you you will know something because intuition is a form of knowing. It's an inner knowing, mm-hmm. um, and you'll know something in the sense that you just know it. Like you're sure mm-hmm. of it. You don't know why you know it or why you mm-hmm. know such certainty. But there's a part of you that just knows that. Like you've heard the truth. And I always tell people intuition is just merely the truth. You just have to be yeah. ethical when you tell people the intuition that you're receiving. Yes. So yes. that had brought me to, like you said, it's this genius power that we all have. You, you had sent me a text um, earlier in the week and you said this really hit you strong. It's, you talked about this genius power that the intuition oh, yeah. like gives yeah. us it's out of this book. transform mm-hmm. us into practical Mm -hmm. power and results so and when you said that I think that really did sum up what intuition was because there's always a result from intuition so Mm -hmm. first you get this information that there's no way that you would know about it because you don't have any form of data on this information so it's brand new information like you said most of the time and but then there's something about it that gives you this sense of knowing because it's like when you hear the truth, you gotta know, yeah, that's that sounds true. There's a feeling and everything that goes along with it. But the fact that that does transform into some type of powerful result for the person, that's always the end product, it looks like, of intuition. Yeah. That's yeah. I've been curious about Claire audience. Like I've often wondered, I've heard of people who literally hear stuff. Now I will get it as fully formed thought, but mm. I'll say it's like, I heard this voice in my head, but I'm not physically hearing a voice, but exactly. um, yeah, but it's fascinating. And yeah. And I, I've never had a situation where I've said, oh, well, Um, I thought it was my intuition and gosh, I was really mistaken. That wasn't a smart thing to do at all. No, when I have things that I really shouldn't do and I feel tempted to do them, I feel adrenaline. I, you know, my heart's pounding, 
you know, but when I get this, this other thing where I feel very at peace with it. And the other thing I know is don't overthink it. If I start thinking about it, like I had a, there was a, a student services week in graduate school and they had a contest and somebody was showing me around all the things they had in on campus. And there was this mayonnaise jar filled with jelly beans and I didn't take the lid off or anything, but somebody handed it to me and they said, there's this contest and people are writing down um, how many jelly beans they, they're guessing. Do you want to guess? And I just said 260. And they said, do you want to sit down and write out, do any math? And I'm thinking, I can't even begin to think of how I would do that in math. But people were writing down math and volume and all this stuff to get their formulas. And and I'm the one that won. <laughs> it just came to you, 260. That just, number. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what it is, because a, a lot of times it's very interesting to me that when I speak to people, they are apprehensive. And I, I would say predominantly people who are extremely religious. Are yes, yes. About mm-hmm. intuition. But the mm-hmm. I, I would say most religious texts, and I wouldn't say just the Bible or um, a sutra or a Quran or um, a Catholic, um, you know, there, there's many, many different holy books. So I would, but all of them are filled with intuition. They are filled yeah. with exactly prophecy or hearing the voice of God or seeing a light and seeing you know these are all intuitive events that they're speaking about sure it it always amazes me because of the context it always amazes me at the level of fear that I do get yeah that's true extremely religious about what intuition is and isn't um yeah is a thing that we also talk about in our society, this need for speed. And there's nothing faster than your intuition. It's, it's right, it's, exactly. It's knowing. But isn't it fascinating that so many do feel that sense that there's more, whether it's intuition, whether it's spirit, and and even that you know healing is possible and having experiences. I think that to me is what makes me know that living in this way that I live, I mean, I really think that every so-called disability is here to present a riddle to everyone about what other ways that it's possible to live out of the box, mm-hmm. outside of the five senses. Mm-hmm. And how do people do that? And it's not about, you know, just, oh, those people being inspiring. It's an invitation for all of us. Like people say to me, oh, your hearing is better and your this and that is better. And I'm like, no, it's just focus. If you want to focus on how you pay attention differently, you can expand how you pay attention differently. And it's kind of like what you teach with intuition and how you would teach about yes and no with body talk. And you are one of the finest intuitives and teachers that I know, by the way. Oh, thank you, you are. so much. I appreciate that. I, I really enjoy it. And um, one of the things that I know it's a calling. I remember the first time I was told that I was going to be a teacher. <laughs> I was upset. Yeah. 
I was oh. teaching, and for me, a teacher meant a school teacher with little children. Oh. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So when I was told mm-hmm. that I was to be a teacher, I didn't understand that you could also teach adults outside of, you know, college, of course. But, uh-huh. uh, so I've done a lot of teaching. Um, so that person that told me about that I would be a teacher was very correct. Um, except I took it in the context of, you know, I'm going to be in school teaching little kids all day. And that did not feel like that would have been something I wanted to do. I, I love teachers. I have nothing against teachers. My children had wonderful teachers. <laughs> I've had wonderful teachers. So there's nothing um, against teachers, especially school teachers or grade school teachers. It's just that I that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. So I was a bit offended when they yeah. said, yeah, I mean, I'm learning all this medicine. I could do all this great stuff to help to heal people. And you tell me I got to be a school teacher. That's how my mind took the word teacher. They didn't say school teacher. They just said teacher. Um, sure. So I have really enjoyed. It's one of the things. And, and you know, when we, we talk about purpose a lot. One of the mm-hmm. ways I always tell people, I, I was told um, by my spiritual, my higher guides, um, that your purpose is the thing that makes you the happiest in your life. Mm-hmm. When you are in your purpose, you're doing your purpose, you're working with it, it brings happiness to you. It brings joy right. uh, to right. you while you're doing it. It also is very exhilarating. I get a lot of energy. So, you know, I could teach oh, yeah. yes. and won't get tired. Um, oh, yeah. It doesn't wear me out at all. Um, so that's one mm-hmm. of the ways you know you are doing your purpose. So that's it, right. it's been a very interesting journey for me, learning wisdom, learning how to use intuition, learning how to teach other people how to use their intuition have been very interesting. Um, and, you know, I was recently told that that was very, the intuition was actually a very rudimentary skill. <laughs> mm-hmm. so like, and I was like, it would be rudimentary. Yeah. And, and they say, because everybody have it, the reason, the only reason why it seems um, supernatural is because people don't use it or they don't right. fear it. So they won't use it, mm-hmm. but they have those skills. Like we have our, our different senses, our five senses, you know, the same way with intuition, we have those senses also. So we were taught yeah. all. We were taught all of that. So they say it's a very rudimentary skill, and you know there was this message about understanding your kingdom. Like first seek ye first your oh. kingdom, or first seek first the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And I thought that meant like okay, maybe they're talking about a realm or a place. But then I realized no. If you go to the Greek translation, which it was written originally in Greek these words, if you go to the Greek yeah. translation, it actually means uh, a type of authority or dominion. Mm-hmm. I used that in my talk last Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> Seek your authority or your dominion. Of yes. The power that's within you, that genius and that power that's within you. Seek mm-hmm. that first and, right. and that everything else will be added. So it's a very, very interesting thing that we think of it as, you know, a place in, in the sky somewhere that we have called heaven. And they say they're not, that's not what they're talking about. So no. it's interesting that when you go back to the words, like you say, words are important. They are. And we go to the origin of the word and word, where the word came from in the context of mm-hmm. the 
it takes on a whole nother meaning. It's like seek your power, authority, and your righteousness. Seek that part of yourself first, and then everything else will be added. So I do a lot. Hmm? I do a lot more with words too, like the word present. It's it's present as in gift, but it's also pre-sent, you know, and where it says before you call, I will answer things that are already there and resent, resent Mm -hmm. in sending that toxicity everywhere throughout the body repeatedly. It's Mm resent. And and then I do uh, a lot of uh, words that have um, A-B-L-E on the end of them, like responsible I change it to response able and comfortable comfort able and, you know, things and how it's better to respond versus even always act or react because react is usually going to be coming from the past and it's going to be, you know, repeating something that's toxic. So I do a lot. I do a lot with words. I'm fascinated with language. I really am. And the way words could do different things. And it's really interesting because even the thought of, you know, it may sound like a little bit like, ooh, for some people walk, listening, but even the word spell, which means, yeah, this means to speak. That's what the word That's actually right. means, to speak yeah. to existence. So mm-hmm. what we say in the beginning was the word that is actually a spell. A spell, which is what a witch was doing or which, you know, to to speak the word. Yeah. To speak the word into being. Right. And then and then that was the power and authority that we were given, that we were given this power to create through our words. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like everything is a spell and the way the words are, even the fact that the words sound like different words, you say a word, you know, like you have, um, what is it called? A homily, I think it is Mm -hmm. saying correctly. It's been a long time since grammar class, (laughs) um, you know, certain words sound, have the same sound. Or when you put a compound word together and it takes on different meanings. And those are all spells based on what you're saying. And it's very interesting when we say your words and a spell, or you could, like I would say, people could cast doubt on something as well as you cast abundance. And people talk about, I speak these words over my children for them to have success and prosperity, you know, as well as you could use your words to curse also. So words are yeah. very, very interesting and mm-hmm. just understanding and not being afraid of words. Cause you One know, of I, my... I would say the same thing and I find I have to switch mm-hmm. up the words based on who I'm speaking to. So if yeah. I'm One somebody, of... I'll say, okay, I need to use this kind of um, semantics and vocabulary yeah. because if I say this mm-hmm. other word, even though it means the same yeah. exact thing yeah context so it's one of my interesting thing that when we start looking at it and like you said how you use words and you put them together and you say comfort able you know comfort able comfort able and one of my favorite um metaphysical writers florence scovel shin has a book and i love the title your word is your wand i love that phrase it's true you yeah. know, and the power that we have in speaking the word. Um, I have a branch of my podcast. My podcast is called This Time Around. And I have a branch of it called Speaking My Word, where I just talk. And then I have other interviews and and um, I need to 
reclaim a, another podcast I used to have called On the Inside Track and probably put all my interviews over there with that one. But speaking speaking my word or speaking the word is so, it's just so important. And that's at the end of some of the metaphysical prayers that mm-hmm. some people say. They'll say, and I speak my word and I watch as it comes back to me, you know, filled with what I'm declaring. So yeah, yeah good stuff. And and it's, it's, it's like I said, it's an interesting thing. And like I said, um, one of the things that I could definitely say by working with people and using intuition, and I use a system called creation. It's about, it's really more so about how you create your life, why you're here and why you're creating this particular life. So when I use that system, mm-hmm. what I find is interesting when I'm working with someone, I have to get an exact word. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, I can't just use a word that <clears throat> means something similar in order for me to clear up a certain disruptive pattern that's mm-hmm. going on in your life. I actually have to use a very, very specific word in order sure. to do that. And what has happened, it has expanded my vocabulary. Who, who would believe that by using intuition, um, using creation, using this work to help balance the energy of people and get them on the path of their purpose that my vocabulary would be so expanded because now I have to go and see sure. the meaning like why did they want that specific word and then when I look at the word I'm like oh my god that summed up everything we were talking about in one word so don't you think that's kind of like special diets learning about how people eat mm-hmm. you know I, that's what that reminds me of is oh well, you know, here's a Kia coming over. I, I want to make sure I'm preparing vegan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I just think that's use of words. Yeah, it does expand. Yeah. And that's where, you know, there's a lot of um, complaining about politically correct and language. And I don't think it's just politically correct. But I mean, I I think if I know that there's something on TV and they're saying, um they're showing a bunch of stuff and they're not saying anything or um, they're saying he all the time and not more inclusive language. Well, then it it has been important to change language over the years. Now, does it mean to feel so sensitive about it all the time that, you know, I have to watch every single word I say, um, no. you know, and be That's afraid? Stupid. No, yeah. no, it doesn't mean that at all. But I think being all inclusive with language and being being kind and having just positive intent, even if we don't always say things in the way that somebody might want them. It's like all our food that we eat might not be made exactly in the way that we want it. But is it made with good intent? Right. You know, yeah, that is that makes so much sense. Um uh, Debbie, this this has been a lot. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your wisdom with us today. Um, we touched on we touched on a bit of almost a whole lot of different topics, but wisdom mm-hmm. of intuition is really um, I think something that we are like two souls for joining on the same path that we've been yeah path together and you know getting a deeper and deeper understanding of that aspect of life and how it works and like you said everything is really in the unseen. Um, it is. So mm-hmm. with that, 
I was wondering if you had anything else to say about that. And I have a question to ask you before we finish today. I just think um, we've, uh, all the energy medicine and all the wonderful things that everyone is discovering. And I guess I just want, I want everyone to um, be kind to you, be kind to you because um, you are the gift that spirit made um, for you to be who you are through you as you. And um, don't let anybody walk around in your head with their dirty feet. <laughs> Debbie, you always have something funny to say. What was it? If you have an ego, you will take a shower. Yeah, you have to have you have to have some ego. You wouldn't take a shower. So it's good to have an ego. You know, <laughs> ego is healthy. It's just everything can anything can be out of balance. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It is so true. You know, and. And thank you for taking us out with the, a word of wisdom, but being kind to you, that, that is really something. Being kind to you. People are really not kind to themselves. I, I, I see that a lot of people I work with, I, I get a lot of that. You know, That's very true. And it's a real window into what, what people learned, where people came from. And I, I think most people who are really hard on other people are even harder on self mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, being hard on self is, is probably the, the biggest amount of personal growth that most of us are working on or have been working on and, and then developing healthy boundaries. You know, uh, even forgiveness is another huge topic and it's self-forgiveness. And, and I think that's a full-time job. It goes mm -hmm. along with self-love and self-acceptance. And so, yeah, and very important stuff. So what is the one thing you wanted to ask me? Okay. So the thing that I want to ask you is any word of wisdom that you would love to share with them before we leave today? Well, I probably did when I talked about self-love and self-acceptance. Self-acceptance is even even bigger than just, uh, I mean, I think when you have self-acceptance, when I found self-acceptance, I stopped beating myself up. Mm. Um, and self, I heard a phrase once somebody asked someone else, have you been loved enough to accept yourself? Um, and, and just, you know, don't be afraid to look, look within and trust, trust the within. If the outside of life, if the human kind of stuff isn't making a lot of sense and isn't isn't fun then go within and and get to know this great person that you are and really i think life is meant to be fun mm -hmm. i i've heard esther hicks say that a lot and i really think um i embrace fun in my life more now and this whole bit about age is ridiculous because life has really everything's gotten better for me with age it really is. It's just incredible. And having fun is at the top of my list. Yes. <laughs> yes. Having fun is yeah. very, very important. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Debbie. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Extremely insightful. Thank you. Um, and I know whoever is going to be listening to this is going to get a lot of gems out of this. So thank you so much for being on today. And we'll tell, and Debbie, um, you're going to send me some 
links of how people could reach out to you, whether it's your website or an sure. option box. Okay. Yeah, I have those. And, um, and, and I mentioned last week, I am working on a new book. It's a title I've had for eons, but now I'm even more determined to get it done. So stay Wonderful. tuned for that. And this is your third book, right? It'll be my third. Yeah. Wonderful. So, a published yeah. author. so, so accomplished. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank then. you, Akia. I love you, my friend. All right. Bye-bye.